to have success with one thing, I would say, especially early on, you should really try to make that thing more successful. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to figure out what your customers care about, why you need to look out for new addressable markets, and the lessons learned from working with the wrong projects and people. Before our show, I wanted to chat about Shopify Ping. It's a free live chat app for Android or iOS devices, and it even works on iPads. Did you know that shoppers who use live chats are almost three times more likely to complete their purchase? With Shopify Ping, you can share products, exclusive discount codes, and help customers make purchases instantly. For more information, visit shopify.com chat. Today, I'm joined by Albert Matheny from Promix. Promix sells premium nutrition products made with farm-direct ingredients designed to support your optimal health and performance and was started in 2011 and based out of Florida. Welcome, Albert. Hey, thanks for having me, Felix. Yeah, so the idea behind the business all came from your own personal need. Tell us more about that. What was that? Yeah, um, short story was I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. Um, I was kind of into athletics my whole life, ended up running track and field at the University of Florida. Um, and during my time there, I studied exercise physiology, um, studied food science, I basically graduated with undergrad and graduate degrees in exercise physiology, kinesiology, um, along with a degree in food science and nutrition. Um, I kind of continued that path uh, and got my licensure as a registered dietitian. So I really just wanted to, you know, kind of understand every aspect of food nutrition, how it plays a role in human performance. Uh, and I competed with USA triathlon, um, for a bit after that. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I was serving a need for myself and then kind of started working with some teammates and kind of just grew from there. Yeah. So tell us more about the first kind of, uh, creations that, that, that you're making. What, what were you making for yourself exactly? Yeah. Um, it started out with, you know, uh, at Florida, it's the home of Gatorade, you know? So that was like, you know, Gainesville is a pretty small town relative. It's basically got a great, you know, set of sports teams. And then Gatorade is kind of like a big beacon out of Gainesville. And so I was always kind of inspired by Gatorade, but, um, you know, I think it's a good example of where people fit kind of in the direct consumer landscape is you kind of have these big companies, Gatorade's now part of, you know, PepsiCo and things like that. So they've definitely changed their formula and different things over the years. And they kind of, um, focus on different aspects of their business. So when I looked at the ingredients that are in their products and things, I thought I could do a better job and utilizing what I knew from the science side. Um, and one of my professors had actually been, at the Gatorade Sports Science Institute. So I really just tried to basically kind of make the new version of Gatorade initially. Um, so it was a carbohydrate type beverage. Um, I was an endurance athlete, so I was really focused on that market. Um, and then proteins was another thing. Uh, you know, there was other proteins on the market, but nobody had like as clean a formula and, and kind of my concept was why is what, I, you know, cook for myself at home or if I, you know, go to the farmer's market or something like that, why is that a different kind of set of, you know, ideas around that from what I take when I'm competing or my supplement. So applying that same kind of, you know, 
filtering mechanism to what goes into your supplements and everything like that. The same ideas you have around what makes a great product from a farmer's market and apply that to supplements. Yeah. So when you first made the, 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 the drink, did you just have for yourself or did you, you said you also had teammates where they also trying it out as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. At first, you know, you don't, if you're trying something new, you kind of keep to yourself, you get, you know, tweak it a little bit. So you're like, okay, this is not bad. Um, so that's basically how it started was, you know, I bring it to practice, have people try it, see what they thought. Um, and then kind of from there, like I, you know, we was using it and other people started using it. And, uh, then I just kind of said, well, you know, I think I could turn this into something more than just for me and my friends. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Like, so when you had noticed that your, you and your friends were, were enjoying and, and getting a benefit out of the product, what were the next steps to, to turn this into a, a business or something at a larger scale? Yeah. Um, something I think, you know, I guess when I first started out, um, I, I didn't have a lot of business mentors really in my life per se, but I had, you know, kind of read some books and I was of the philosophy that, I really wanted to, you know, if you say you wanted to run a restaurant, I really wanted to work in every position, uh, within the company to really know how to run a great business. And so when I started, I set up my own production facility, um, from the ground up, uh, I kind of, I walked into a, uh, local coffee roaster that I knew and just said, Hey, could I, you know, if I go through all the applications and procedures and set everything up properly, can I run uh, production for my products in the evening. Um, cause they had kind of the same packaging equipment. So I think that was something I definitely didn't know how, how else to do it. You know, 2011, it was a completely different landscape in terms of, I think it's, well, I know it's much easier to launch products. Now there's tons of co-packers and all these different things out there for people to resource. And the internet's a lot more developed in terms of finding, you know, companies and things that market has boomed. But when I started out, it, wasn't something that you could just kind of Google really. So, um, that's how it started. And that has really helped me one, just, you know, when you build something from really the ground up like that, um, and you're actually packaging the products yourselves, you really learn kind of all the aspects of it. Um, not only from like what you, how to do it right, what can go wrong, the cost involved. Um, so yeah, that was how it started. Yeah, I can imagine that once you step away from either, you know, being on site to, to run the production facility, you still had a lot of learnings that you can apply towards hiring others and bring others on to to continue to create this, you know, high quality product. So tell us more about that. What 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 were some of the things that you learned? Like what, what are some of the things that you learned that that you applied as you scale up the business? I mean, there were some practical learnings, like, you know, from a basic side, and I think anyone that is an entrepreneur or going into business, whatever you're selling, like you just kind of learn some things along the way you start to uh, realize there's a lot more, there can be a lot more complexity to things. Um, the things that look simple or like why a box is sized such a way or a bag is like this. So I had initially, you know, you run into problems with the type of packaging materials you're using. Um, and again, like the ecosystem that exists now wasn't there. So I was, you know, looking for, you know, coffee type bags and things. Now there's a whole, you know, tons of suppliers that really specialize in, in protein type bags and containers or whatever you need. But, um, you know, so I learned a lot from the small, just manufacturing side of things, but then, 
you know, a bigger picture too, is just realizing the time it takes to do those different aspects. Um, thinking about really how does it scale? Um, you know, when you're working on all the different things, you start to break down, okay, where's my time going? Am I spending all this time shipping products or in packaging? Um, how can I, you know, kind of outsource this, um, and start to focus on what's next and how to grow. So that was, you know, you really just kind of learned by doing and started to see where your time went and how you could, if you want to grow the business, where your time needs to be focused, because if you're just doing repetitive tasks that aren't really scaling, then you're going to run, <laughs> run out of hours in the day. Yeah. So at what, what point did you decide to kind of step away? And you mentioned that you wanted to be someone that can work and understand every position. What, what else did you want to kind of dive into to make sure you had a better understanding of it as you were building your business? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think really like just trying to break down every component and kind of ask, you know, ask why, um, if you really want to make something unique or different. And I, I did like, I very much still today, I don't want to make a product that, um, somebody else could just make the same exact product. I want to make sure I'm offering something different, differentiated and, um, you know, offers a, a, I think it's the best product on the market kind of for that consumer or whatever it is. So, yeah, well, you said that you wanted to make, you always offer something that was differentiated. How do you make sure that you're always going to stay on top of this and that you are different than what, what else is on the market? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that, um, is something I've seen over the years is, um, and I think you see it in everything, like the market evolves. Uh, so you obviously, if you're going to stand out, you have to have like a special product in some way. Um, when I first started on the market, I can really say that you know, when you talk, when you said grass fed whey protein in 2011, nobody knew what that was. Uh, there was, you know, it was a term grass fed was a term that was really pretty rele relegated to things like farmer's markets. And you go to mainstream grocery stores and that was not something that was a focus back in that time period. So, uh, you know, over the years that became more mainstream and it's almost kind of like table stakes now for like a premium protein product to really, um, have some, you know, identity around sourcing or ethics around production or whatever that might be. Um, so, you know, as far as differentiating, just constantly evolving and saying, how can I make this product better? Um, and you kind of can look at that from a lot of different angles from a ingredient side, from a production side, packaging, uh, shipping, you know, environmental impact. So just kind of like always saying, where can I improve in all the different aspects, customer experience, whatever it is. Yeah. How do you know what your customers care about when you see all these different ways to make your product better? How do you know which ones to choose to focus on? Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, people have different takes on this and, you know, I, I love to read about other entrepreneurs success and try to learn from them and people go diff to different routes. You kind of either go, I know what's best for the customer or you go, I'm going to listen to the customers and build what they want. Um, I think it's really a mix, but what I've found is that the most successful products I've had have just been something that I really believed in. Um, I think if you know your market, um, who you, know, you, for me, it's easy because I'm really passionate specifically about what I'm doing. Like I really do care about these products. And so I'm always kind of like paying attention to things, reading things. 
um, aware of kind of where like health trends are going. So I just think about where is the ball going to be next and why does that matter? Um, so I don't listen so much to the consumer feedback because I think if you're trying to get ahead, the consumers aren't even asking for what is next because they don't know it's an option. So I think you need to look at different industries and say, wow, that's really cool what they're doing. And I don't know, furniture or like whatever it might be and apply it, say, can I apply that to my industry? Why isn't what I'm doing, doing that? Um, so that's how I've kind of approached trying to stay ahead is just uh, focus on what you really believe in, um, what you're passionate about, and then kind of learn from other areas and see like, can you iterate in a way that no one is even asking mm. for? Yeah, I like that. That's definitely a different perspective. And it's that, that you know, famous uh, Henry Ford uh, quote about if you ask customers what they want, they, they'd say a, a faster yeah. <laughs> horse, right? So yeah, there is some uh, kind of lagging by looking backwards at what your customers want. Right? And you're saying, look outside your industry. So you can talk more about that. Like, What are some, do you have any examples of evolutions that you've made in your business and talk about like what, where you found inspiration from to make those improvements? Yeah. So, um, as far as, you know, where to look for inspiration, um, I really do think outside of your, whatever industry you're in, look outside of there because it kind of, I think it becomes an echo chamber. Um, I would say rarely are big brands doing the things that are new. I mean, you certainly see that in like a big way in the marketplace in terms of big brands, like to buy little brands because, the little brands are usually doing something more niche or just more innovative or different, or uh, really what it is, I think too, is you are betting on a, what seems like a small addressable market. I think like when you start to think about bigger business picture of things, people talk about the, the total addressable market or TAM. And um, if you're trying to address the biggest market, you're probably not making something unique. And so I think, the innovation occurs when you identify what will be like a new addressable market. Who are these people that are going to want something and you create this thing. And then it kind of like, in some ways, like creates a market. Obviously if you totally create the market, like, uh, like an Uber or something, then, <laughs> you know, you're a genius. Awesome. And you're probably, uh, crushing it. But, uh, I think for, there's a lot of ways that you can just say, all right, well, what's something I can do to like take this up like a notch? Like if you look at what's available and you say, how do I make this thing that's a 10 and make it an 11? And that can be, doesn't have to be, you know, more premium something. It can be like an innovation in a different area. So um, looking at your business and saying, you know, if, it, if it's a t-shirt, maybe it's not like buying the more expensive material, but maybe it's like, how are you, shipping the product that's different and how is the customer experience different or the social experience or whatever it is. Um, and like I said before, like looking at other industries, I think like, you know, t-shirts are a great one in terms of, um, there are, you know, a lot of people can make t-shirts. So if you are differentiating yourself, it's really like, is it a brand thing or is it like, you know, what component of your brand really makes, your brand stand out, you know, and it can be something really small that seems niche, but if you're going to gain traction initially and not just spend tons of money on marketing, you should be niche. Like you, those are the people 
that's how you're going to get found initially. That's what I would say is like, don't be afraid to go after something that you really believe in that seems like, you know, like, I don't even know if there's other people out there that care about this thing, but if you do a great job with it, that's, you're going to get found that way. You know, like you're not going to rank number one on Google the first day, but if you do something that's unique, somebody's going to find that that's looking for that. Can you uh, call out some improvements that you've made for your brand that you feel has separated yourself the most from the comp- from the competitors? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that uh, I'm working on, you know, kind of every day, but really a little bit about what I try to bring to the brand. Like, I think, you know, I've spent my whole kind of professional life in nutrition. Um, I have a gym in New York. I've, you know, trained people for, 10 plus years. Um, you know, I studied all this stuff for many years and so, and I'm an athlete as well. So I, you know, really do kind of live and breathe it and stay up on everything that's happening. So for me, like that's a point of differentiation for ProMix is, um, you know, I can bring that to the table and interacting with customers. Like I still answer customer emails, I still help people with their nutrition and things like that. So I know that other brands aren't out there are not getting that kind of level of customer service or like personal attention. Um, I think the way that, you know, shout out to uh, my partner, Devin, uh, he, you know, is an athlete and just a great community kind of leader. Um, he and my other buddy, Chris, um, they do a great job just interacting with a really authentic community. You know, they go out, um, and reach out to trainers and and work with people with high integrity. And it's a real like partnership and it's a, they value the brand because part of the differentiation has been just finding individuals um, that really represent your brand well with high integrity, because if you can create a brand that people want to be associated with, it's going to tell an authentic story. So it's not about, you know, anytime I think I've tried to say, can I scale this in an impersonal way? Like, can I hire an agency to do this or do that? you're going to get like a pretty generic response. Um, and especially in a market like nutrition products that it's fairly simple to get started with a nutrition company. Um, you know, similar to a t-shirt company, for example. Um, but to stand out is difficult. And so if you kind of just take white label product, white label services and everything, you're not going to have success. You really do need to, uh, you know, back to what I said initially, like address your business from those initial, uh, core points all the way up the chain. And, um, you know, if you can find really great people to work with, then you can kind of start to scale it, but, um, definitely doing everything yourself initially. So you get a sense of it and you have your, your hand on it. Yeah, you had mentioned that one of the best ways to to innovate and to improve the business is to identify these new addressable markets. Can you say more about that? Like, what do you do to try to always be kind of on a lookout for new addressable markets? I think you have to look outside the industry uh, that you're in, whatever that is. You have to say what's already going on in your industry is exactly that. It's already happening in your industry. Someone that is in your market is already doing something if you see them do it. So you need to kind of synthesize for yourself what is happening outside of there that hasn't happened in your industry and say, I'm going to bring that to my industry, whatever that is. Um, if it's, you know, I don't know, you know, if it's in nutrition, maybe you're somehow connecting telehealth. You look at like, you know, a company like Hims who has done an amazing job, you know, like their marketing was amazing. They've 
obviously done extremely well. Um, maybe you look at that and say, Hey, no one is doing that in beauty. Can I take some learnings from hymns and apply it to, you know, beauty in like a certain niche of the beauty market or whatever. So, um, that's, I think a really cool way too to, you know, meet other entrepreneurs and just have great conversations is if you're functioning in a different market, you just have a different, like it's a different world or a different echo chamber of like, Oh, everyone's doing this and, you know, hair care products. And then somebody from the nutrition market might be like, wow, that's a great idea. I'd never thought about that. And then, um, maybe you can innovate in that area. So. Yeah, it makes sense. So once you've identified these different ways to innovate or differentiate, how do you make those differentiators clear? Like what do you do in your marketing and everything from your packaging to your website to highlight what differentiates you from your competitors? A big thing is, is, is simplicity. Um, I've learned that over the years too is, you know, I think for anyone that is, is good at a certain area, whatever it might be, if you're good in the gym or good in the classroom or you're a good sailor or, you know, a, a great soccer player or whatever it might be, um, language around that and the skills around that are really like second nature to you. Um, and if you're talking to other people in those same areas, everything seems kind of obvious, but I think in the marketing side, if you identify, uh, some unique kind of propositions that you have for customers or unique values that your brand has or whatever it might be like, make those really, really clear, make it really simple. And I think don't try to highlight too many different things. Like customers need to, you know, it's kind of like consistency and something like McDonald's. Like, I think what you can learn from them is like, they're definitely not the best, but they're really consistent and people know what they're going to get and they know what McDonald's is and what that stands for and what your brand is. So I think that's, a huge thing is if you identify something that's unique about your brand, um, that needs to be like kind of central and core to your brand and make that the message that customers hear. And they know that, okay, Promix stands for no artificial anything. Uh, you know, it's a simple digestible thing that speaks to, to a lot of different values. Yeah. Awesome. So we talked about where the business is today, how it's grown to where it's at today. Talk to us more about how you got that early traction. Like how were you able to get your first customers beyond, you know, your, your, your friends and your colleagues? Yeah. Initial traction. Uh, so we had, this is honestly 2011. Um, sorry if I, I don't know the exact launch date of Shopify, but, um, you know, it wasn't as big as it is now. And, uh, in 2011, I wasn't on a Shopify store, uh, and Amazon was kind of our main channel and that was a great place to learn. And I think it's still a great place to learn. Um, there's no doubt that I prefer selling on Shopify, like the connection you have with your customers there and everything is amazing. But as far as kind of market learning, um, if you're going to launch Shopify store, uh, you can learn a ton from Amazon because the, it's kind of like a, you know, search directory for products. So if you have a product idea and you search it on Amazon and you don't see it there, then, you know, maybe that's an interesting thing to pursue, or it can also like validate a market idea. So if you go search, whatever it is, you want to make a new brownie recipe or something, and you go on Amazon and you search kind of like whatever those terms are, maybe it's like a keto brownie recipe that has nuts or something. That's your idea. If you can see on Amazon that, okay, there is demand for this, but maybe there's a product that isn't great and you're like reading reviews and you're like, okay, people obviously don't like this aspect of it. I can improve on that. Um, so for me, 
sorry, that was a, you know, a bit of an aside, but early on, like I got traction on Amazon because I was niched and people were searching there. Like Amazon even more so now has such a large set of eyes on it that, um, if you can earn customers on Amazon, get their attention, validate the market, those customers may end up buying from you directly. Cause a lot of people prefer to transact, you know, direct with the shop. Maybe you're offering them, you know, more personalized service or, um, you know, just a better customer experience, um, going direct. So, uh, initial traction for me came from being in a niche market, um, on Amazon where there's, you know, high volume of customers, um, getting a brand kind of established there. And then customers from there ended up seeking out, um, the brand outside of Amazon because of, you can create, you know, maybe you're connecting through social or whatever that is, but you start to, you definitely don't want to be um, just another brand on Amazon. You need to have your own brand because ultimately you don't own that customer set. And so if you can get traction on Amazon and then build a brand that lives outside of just a transaction on a website um, through a social community or whatever that is, um, then I think you'll be able to transition that momentum over to Shopify and then you can really grow a business. Yeah, so that traction from a, a marketplace like Amazon or could be Etsy or eBay, some other platform out there where you're getting this kind of free traffic. Obviously, you have to do things right in order to to have your products show up, you know, high in these these um, essentially product search engines like Amazon. You get the build the the relationship with the customer there, then they might seek you out directly or find you on, on social and then uh, repeat buy from you from your own website. Is that what you're doing today as well, or are there other methods that you're focused on these days to bring in new customers? Yeah, I think nowadays, like we've gotten um, we've gotten a good amount of traction um, on both platforms. You know, we still work with both, and there's different people. You know, different reasons. Different people like one platform or the other. Um, Amazon is just really convenient for people. Uh, so Shopify, if you, you know, have that direct relationship with the customer and they value that a little bit more than their convenience, or there's other reasons they might like to just buy direct, then, um, that can be great. But, you know, nowadays, yeah, we're really focused on the brand outside of, outside of, I guess the, the, uh, sales channels. Like we know that if people, kind of fall in love with the brand or understand what the brand is about, understand what problem it solves for them. Um, and typically that's happening through uh, social media where they see uh, people that are kind of thought leaders in the space. And, you know, I think be specific about the area that you're in, like, you know, um, just going to work with some social creator that has a ton of followers, isn't going to move the needle uh, for you the way, you think it might, uh, they need to have, and this may be obvious, but they need to have an audience that is the audience that is going to buy your product. So, um, that's some, you know, an area where I think we've, I've been fortunate is, you know, I work in the nutrition and training industry. And so all my friends and everything are, are these people. And so, um, if we work with them, they're people who we have a good relationship with and the people that follow them are following them for, their fitness and nutrition content and things. And they believe what they're doing um, and they follow them. And so if they make a recommendation, then um, it does convert basically. Hey, 
Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Awesome. Now, speaking of working with the, the right people, one thing I mentioned to us uh, prior to the this interview was about working with the wrong people and how that really kind of hampers your success and your progress. Tell us more about that. What, what kind of experiences have you learned from? I think, you know, one thing I mentioned earlier was definitely like, if you try to just outsource things and you don't really know where to, where you want to put your focus and energy and you're just trying to solve a problem or you hear about something, frankly, like on a podcast and you don't really research it for yourself and think, okay, does this really matter for my business? Then you're going to end up spending not only a lot of money um, on things, but just a lot of time, like to work with an agency for whatever it might be, if it's ag creative or uh, anything like that, it can be, it takes a huge amount of time. And so that's time that you're not putting into something else. So I think making sure you're doing the basics and uh, try to, you know, do as much as you can, like get something to work yourself if you can um, or work with someone individually. But I think you end up in the kind of world of marketing, you you can spend a lot of money, but if you aren't really driving the boat, I don't think you're going to get the results you hope for. I've never seen that work out. Yeah. And in similar veins, you also mentioned about working on the wrong projects. So I think this is a, an important area about how to stay focused. So tell us more about that. Like what are some of the experiences you've learned from that? Yeah. Um, I think you can very easily people will have, I mean, here's just like a, a basic rule. I think of, business that I would say is, um, you know, tell me your thoughts, but I think the the dream business is you have one SKU and you just sell a ton of it. Like that's kind of the dream. Uh, you know, every time you add a new product and different things, um, you add complexity to your business. So, um, you know, if you have success with one thing, I would say, especially early on, you should really try to make that thing more successful because it's kind of like, very few people have hit after hit. Um, if you end up having a hit and you're like, wow, this is people are really liking this. It's going really well. A hundred percent, I would say focus on doing more of that and just take that and run with it as long as you can. Don't just go wide initially because just because you made an awesome hat doesn't mean your customers want a shirt or that you can make an awesome shirt. So, um, I think that's the, the beauty of the internet is the scaling aspect. And if you have something that is really connecting with people, you should 100% focus your time and energy on that instead of saying, I'm going to try and service all these needs from the customer. So um, I guess from my own experience, like I've taken, um, you know, so, something that's a passion of mine, but is not squarely in my like differentiated skill set. So uh, I made chocolate. Uh, bars at one point. I think they're amazing chocolate bars. People love them, but am I the best person to make chocolate? Is that really a differentiated point for my brand? Is that really something my customers really want? Um, do they think of your brand as, you know, <laughs> his promix the chocolate brand? I don't think so. Um, you know, you really have to have an unbelievable amount of scale before you kind of go wide like that. Um, so I would say, stay narrow if something's working really run with it. Um, and just, you know, stay in the areas where you're like, I know I can do this better than anyone else. And if you can, if there's any opportunities, especially early on, like with 
perishable products or whatever, like you can get burned really quickly on um, shelf life with things. Uh, so it's great if you can, you know, put all that in your head and, and think about how much it costs to store something. Um, is this product going to go bad? Am I going to have loss or whatever the things are like, you really do have to account for all that stuff early on. So don't go bigger, uh, earlier, just kind of build, you know, over time if you can. Yeah. That's a great point about how, if you have success, the almost immediate inclination for most entrepreneurs is let me try doing something else. I think it's because there's just more excitement around adding a new product line, right? When you have one one success already, you're like let me expand rather than doubling down and making that one more that one thing more successful. Can you talk to us more about that? Once you've learned that, how for your specific situation, how did you figure out how to make that one thing more successful? This is kind of a cool thing for uh, people listening to think about, if, especially if you're newer in business, is like understand the kind of business person you are. Like, I think a lot of people are creative or passionate about something and that's why they get into it. Um, but like you said, like you may really just like to make kind of products and do different things and it is exciting. And so, um, if you keep that mindset and you don't evolve it, you're going to run into the, the problem of just going wide and not uh, focusing on what's working. And so, for some people that might mean you need to find a partner or someone that has a different mindset about it that comes in and says, well, I'm just very analytical. This is selling really well. Why aren't you just focused on this? Why are we trying to do a new product? It should just be all energy here. Um, and that's especially important, you know, uh, from a basic economic standpoint, when you're a newer brand starting out, unless you took in funding and, and whatnot, like if you're growing, um, and you're going fast, you're probably investing hundred percent of what you made back into your business and going wide, you know, you're not another thing to just think about is if you go wide, you're not going to have like a quick cash flow cycle, which does become very important. So say you're selling, you know, a ton of one unit, you're putting hundred percent back into that. Maybe you have a little bit left over and you're like, I want to try this new product the new product is probably not going to get a huge velocity like that first product initially. So now you've tied up that cash. And so your other products going faster and now you just spent a little bit of extra cash that you could have, you know, doubled down on your other product. Um, so that's, you know, something to really look out for. I definitely made that mistake. Um, and you know, as far as w what have I done to, to focus on doing more of what's working is just, just limiting myself, just saying, Hey, don't, you just have to remind yourself every day. If you're a creative person, like don't go wide, you know, how can you improve what is working? And, um, maybe you can't improve the core product itself, but, uh, kind of like the same thing we talked about at the beginning of knowing every part of your business, look at other areas. So, you know, we just made a packaging update that I've been working on for almost a year and a half. Um, it's a 97% plastic free package. Like, that was an area where I said, I think I've made the best product. You know, it's a simple, clean protein. How can I make this better? And I've always wanted to, I've, I've dabbled in different packaging things and uh, I knew I could innovate on a new package and it, I wanted it to be something that no one else was doing. Um, so maybe that's for your business, a package, maybe it's you call customers, maybe it's you send them a note or you have an amazing website or you crush it on social or whatever it is, but 
if you're doing something that's working, focus on it and then see where all the other parts in that chain that the customer touches that you can improve upon. Mm, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely great insight. So I want to talk a little bit about, about your website now. So you've been in business now. We had mentioned starting 2011, or, yeah, 2011, so over de- basically a decade now. So I'm sure your website has evolved many times since then. Talk to us about some of the changes that you guys have made to the website that have had the biggest impact on, on sales. Definitely simplicity, again. Um, it kind of It's the same message as the physical product side. Like think about your digital product and um, people are increasingly less kind of focused and they want what they want quickly and they need to understand what you're about, especially if you're a new customer, like immediately. Um, And that's even more important if it's coming from, uh, if you're trying to run ads or anything like that, like the immediate awareness of what you're offering, how it's different, like you can call it a hook or whatever. But uh, if you just think about how, say you have word of mouth and, you know, you and I are talking and we're like, wow, that, you know, have you tried these shoes? They're awesome. And then you go to the website, maybe you're like a little bit more engaged because your buddy Albert said, Hey, Felix, these shoes are great. And you kind of like, you're willing to spend more time and maybe the website's not perfect because it's some new brand and you kind of like poke around, you finally get a product. But if you're kind of just advertising and there's no strong referral, like a friend to friend, um, if you don't get what the product is immediately and how it's different and better. Um, you're going to bounce, you know? And so with the website, it's just been refining kind of the message and making it really clear what you're offering to the customer. Um, and then I would say, you know, again, if you break down your website from different touch points, from copy to images, to, you know, just overall user experience and how the site is organized. Like I have a hand in all that stuff and, you know, shout out to Juan and Sonny um, who are amazing uh, and Ryan. Uh, but the, uh, if you can improve any of those points, it makes a difference. You know, if you can, maybe you took some photos a while ago, like if you can improve those photos, um, do it, it'll make a difference, you know, and it doesn't mean you should early on invest tons of money. I certainly did not. I fully bootstrapped the business and I certainly didn't have great photos when I first started. You know, it was like me taking photos and, you know, cropping out the background and things like that. But, um, as you grow your business or if you start out ideally with like a very limited selection of products, like put a lot of effort into all those touch points because it makes a difference. So, um, make your, you know, basically your value proposition, very clear, your story, uh, what you're selling, who you are, what it is. Um, and then just try to take all those things that are like, Hey, this looks good to, Hey, this looks great from copy to organization or whatever it is. Yeah. One thing I noticed too, on the website is this protein calculator. It's, it's, it's displayed prominently in the, uh, when you, on the, the kind of, uh, above the fold, when you hit the web page, the landing page for the first time, the, the main part of the site, and then also in the, the, the header throughout the site. Tell us more about that. Like what, what was the idea behind creating this protein calculator? That was one that I had actually been working with a SEO firm and you know, they had been giving me all sorts of recommendations. And I think from like a purely technical perspective, if you have no background in kind of web design or anything like that, but you know, if you, if you work with a a good or reasonably good developer, like they probably have some sense of SEO. Um, 
this was a completely non uh, agency generated idea. This was something that from actually, you know, kind of, you know, like we talked about like separate industries. So as a trainer and a dietitian, like people, number one goal or the number one question I had people ask me was like, well, what do I eat? You know, how much protein do I need? You know, I really identified uh, protein as like a huge thing. And this is not sales. This is like totally um, as a dietitian speaking without selling any product. Like if people understand and intake the correct amount of protein, uh, they generally are going to have better energy. They're going to feel better. They're going to eat quote better kind of throughout the day. Um, so I saw it as like a huge need that needed to be addressed that I could address uniquely with my skills. Um, and so I just built that kind of from the ground up and, um, it's done really well, you know, as far as like, I love to educate people. I think that's again, like going back to what is something that you or your brand can do that other people can't. And, um, you know, that's an area that I know well. So I just needed to say, I'm going to showcase this. It wasn't like I had a a big plan around it or I had like been like, Oh, this is going to be like a huge driver. It was like very specific, uh, problem solving something that I'd seen repeatedly with training clients that I thought, Hey, um, I think this would be helpful for people. So ultimately if you are trying to think of products or ways to improve things, like if you can look at something and say, I think this is really going to help people. It's probably going to sell really well too. Um, and really help your business. So if you apply that kind of framework to things is like, does this really help solve a problem for people? Uh, especially nowadays, again, think about the internet. It's got to solve problems quickly. So if the protein calculator can say, Hey, Felix, this is how much protein you need and be specific, you know, like don't, don't water stuff down. Like, um, I definitely put, made that much more in depth than I thought people would care about. I thought it was, I was like, look, I'm just going to put everything I can into making this, you know, as good as I can and as accurate as I can and not water it down. I think people focus a lot on, you know, you think about big brands and they try to do a one size fits all like, again, like know that it's okay. And there is a big enough market for you to get specific. And, uh, you know, if you like, you know, do whatever, you know, if you, if you're making shoes for tango and that's all you do, like that's not a small market, you know, you can be really specific. Yeah. And when you have this, this business running and you have your site running, what, what kind of apps or tools do you rely on to, to keep it going? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say I've definitely, I think it's always important to kind of the same idea with, uh, where do you get, uh, ideas for how to make innovative products. And I think if you look at other brands, uh, in or outside your industry, it can be really helpful. So I think going to, um, other brands and you can kind of look at what other apps they're running that has been really helpful. So if you see, you know, a brand, like the best thing I did was just think about brands that you actually transact with. And you're like, why do I, you know, like this brand or what are they doing? Um, and just kind of look at what apps they're using. So, uh, one of my favorite apps is called segments and that's, it's kind of like a more advanced app, I guess. And I'm certainly not the most, um, data driven person out there. But, um, if you have people on your team that are good with that, um, segments is a great app and uh, shout out to John at segments. Um, the great company and they, they actually care. They'll talk to you and help you through your stuff. 
Um, so I think that's helpful. Um, Clavio, you know, uh, we had MailChimp uh, for a few years and then getting someone that can actually help you kind of build out Clavio again, like, you know, if you're running your business and you're a small team, which I think most people are when they start out, like know where you're good at things and know where you're not. So I'm not going to be coding something. Can I write a copy for an email? Yeah. But do I know how to like manage all these apps to their full potential? Because a lot of the apps like can do some amazing things. Um, so bringing people on for that, uh, the Shopify reviews app, uh, is great. It works. Um, and then like a loyalty reward site program, um, smile is one that we use that I've liked, but you know, when you think about kind of bringing some stability to your business, if you're in the business of a recurring type, uh, subscription, like a, a loyalty program or subscription type app is, is super helpful to kind of give you like a baseline and, you know, from projecting, you know, production volumes and things, but really to build loyal consumers. And if you have aspiration for your business in the future, whether it's continue to grow or you're trying to eventually sell it to someone like the subscription component is something that you can't ever start, you know, early enough. Like it's a great base that um, people care about. Awesome. So promixnutrition.com is a website and the biggest lessons that I'm hearing from you in this interview was around simplicity. And then in the areas that you have simplified down to try to be the best in those areas. So I'll leave this last question. What is an area that you are working on being the best in next? And, uh, I think finding, I mean, you know, in general, uh, finding balance in life, um, that's, that's a really broad answer, but, um, I think if anyone is building their own business, you should be like fully involved. Um, and you should probably spend an inordinate amount of time on it. Um, but you know, so finding a balance, um, working with great people, like should really, you know, find people you really enjoy working with. You will have better results if you really like enjoy working with them and they're on kind of the same wavelength. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, I really do try to improve ProMix. you know, every day I want to be the best out there in the industry and, uh, you know, again, touch wherever the customer touches, like, can you do a better job? Um, so yeah, that's the basics. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, Albert. Oh, I really appreciate it, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.